Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. Breaking news, Dolphins starting center Connor Williams out the rest of the season with a torn ACL. Receiver Tyreek Hill is day-to-day with an ankle injury. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert will undergo season-ending surgery on his fractured right index finger today. Easton Stick takes over as L.A.'s starter. Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes expressed disappointment in his actions as well as regret for his outburst on the sideline Sunday when the offsides call that wiped out what would have been the go-ahead touchdown with under two minutes left in the loss to the Bills and an incensed Mahomes screamed at the officials. ESPN NFL analyst Dominique Foxworth. I think that part of his reaction, while it may not have been calculated in the moment, he's desperate. And I do think that that permeates the team. So acting like a complete maniac, embarrassing yourself, it is going to help. I promise you practice on Wednesday is going to be a little bit more intense because the best player that anyone has ever seen play football and is always calm and under control lost his mind. Dominique on Get Up, NBA Suns power forward Kevin Durant left ankle sprain out tonight against the Warriors. Bradley Beal is set to return for Phoenix from a back injury. Brought to you by the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights when you book through Capital One Travel. Plus 2x miles on all other purchases. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. They're about 15, 16 yards short of the outside of field goal range. Forget it. Wandale Robinson sets up the Giants. They're in man coverage. You see the release, and there was no doubt where DeVito was going with the football. The hold, the kick, the win for the Giants. It's been a lot of fun getting wins, I'll tell you that. I know how it goes when you're winning or when you're losing. Uh, but I'm trying to stay even, even keel throughout the whole thing and just enjoy it with my teammates. I've been playing football since I was five years old. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I know it's a bigger stage, a lot more on the line. But at the end of the day, I try to have fun with it. And it's a kid's game, so I just try to enjoy it. Henry cuts it back, dives and scores, and Tennessee has tied it up. Look at Will Levis, man. <laughs> Good for that young man in this moment. Awesome. I mean, we knew we had an opportunity to do something special tonight, you know, on national television, probably our last primetime game. Hope America liked what they saw. Well, if you are anything like me, I really wasn't intending to see or saw any of the Monday night football last night. Because unless I'm Dolphin Dave or our good buddy Robert Ole, who are Miami Dolphin fans, Neither of these games really had a whole lot of interest to me. Maybe I'm just a bitter Eagles fan the last couple of days since they're trouncing by the Dallas Cowboys and I just hate the NFL all the way around. But I really wasn't interested in watching either of the NFL games, let alone leading the Tuesday sun-splashed edition of the sports huddle with sound bites, play-by-play, and audio of the two-star quarterbacks on the sports huddle this afternoon. And yet, here we are, and that's what we just did. And the NFL had itself a good night on Monday night, didn't it? We got a rare opportunity for two Monday night games, and both of them delivered. Both of them came through and did not disappoint. I was glancing at my phone last night while doing other things and not watching football, to be very honest with you, just getting a little bit of a break from it all for a day or so. And we had had a busy day yesterday, which I'll get to in just a moment. But all of a sudden, I saw the scores and how close the games were, and they were in the fourth quarter. So I started watching. 
I started watching one, and then I started watching the other, and couldn't take my eyes off of either one, and it was a good thing. It turned out to be a really enjoyable late evening on a Monday for both the NFL games, the Giants' improbable win over the Packers, and the Titans' even more improbable wins over the Miami Dolphins. Uh, With that, we welcome you to the Sports Huddle. On a Tuesday afternoon, I'm going to get into all of that. Bob Black with you here, hosting remotely today, not in the same type of situation as we were hosting remotely yesterday, which turned out to be a great, great day. Yes, it was cold outside the Henrico Sports and Events Center, where we broadcast our cheer and gear live yesterday afternoon. And yes, I complained about it a little bit. I don't like the cold, folks. Um, Anybody who knows me knows that. Uh, I would much rather have a 95-degree day than a 35-degree day. I know it wasn't 35 yesterday, but to these frail old bones, it felt like it was 35 out there yesterday. And I didn't come dressed for the occasion. I thought we were going to be inside the lobby, and we weren't. And as it turned out, we were in the right spot. Those people up there, they know what they're doing, and our people at ESPN Radio know what they're doing as well. But we had a great location right outside the front doors of the uh, new Henrico Sports and Events Center. Uh, we filled up several bins worth of sports equipment uh, for the youngsters, the 10 to 16-year-olds, that's going to get delivered to them if it hasn't already, because today was the first distribution day for the Salvation Army and the Christmas Assistance Program, and hopefully they went to a lot of very happy and worthy youngsters. We had all sorts of basketballs and footballs and soccer balls and lacrosse sticks and baseball, all all of that yesterday afternoon. A lot of great people that stopped by. So I hosted remotely with Matt Josephs yesterday and a cast of thousands to include our own Alan Sandage and Scott Hawthorne was out there. Mitchell Bradley was engineering the whole thing and Matt and I had the opportunity to co-host it. Kudos to Matt. He did all three hours out there in the chilly conditions. We missed all the sunshine, too. Yesterday, like today, it was a sun splash day, but we didn't get any of the sunshine out there because we were right up against the building and the shadows had already covered us. So it was a little bit on the chilly side, but it was really worth it. Uh, And I was just so impressed by the number of people who came by and the generosity of all of them yesterday from start to finish, from Sean Ryan, who brought his Benedictine baseball team, to Parney, who came by. And by the way, I've got an update on his challenge that I'll get to in a little bit, and it has a very happy ending uh, to the Richmond basketball team that came out there and helped load the truck with all of the sporting goods to take it over to the um, Salvation Army Distribution Center over there at Stony Point. Uh, We had just great guests all afternoon long. Appreciate Scott Hawthorne for getting them all lined up for us. It was really a lot of fun. Greg Burton made an appearance, and, of course, uh, he and Sean Ryan really kind of got this thing started. So it was great to have both of them with us yesterday and on the air. And, of course, the evening finished with the first college women's basketball game in that new building, which VCU won, uh, beating Delaware, and I think that turned out great. I actually watched a little of that on ESPN Plus last night. The building looked great on television. I really thought it did. Uh, It was well done and really put a cap on a really great afternoon and evening out there. So tip of my cap, and thanks to everybody who came out and saw us and said hello and everybody's generosity out there. And to be honest with you, also really happy with what our folks did. It it, it is not 
not an easy event to put on, to put it on the radio, to do that remotely for three hours in the afternoon, and then follow that up with another remote broadcast because then we were live at World of Beer with the Richmond Basketball Coaches Show, Behind the Web with Coach Chris Mooney and Neil Quinn. Neil was also out at the Cheer and Gear event and then made his way over to World of Beer to be our special player guest. So we had four hours of what I, you know, I don't, I don't brag very often. I, I don't like that, but I, I think we had four hours of really solid local uh, programming for you yesterday afternoon and for a really good cause as well. That was the, the real gist of the whole thing and just had a great time out there yesterday and hope we can do it bigger and even better. I think uh, Greg Burton kind of, you know, laid down the gauntlet at the end of our conversation with him when he said, hey, congrats on doing this for three hours, but you do remember what I used to do. And Greg did. He When he started that thing, uh, I think he did. You know, we were on a different radio station. I think he did nine hours and 50 minutes consecutively from like 9.50 in the morning when Big Al kind of finished up. He took the last 10 minutes of that and went like nine hours and 50 minutes uh, on the air. I don't know how he did that, but he did. Uh, We did three hours yesterday, and we're pretty pleased with that and certainly pleased with all the sporting goods that we collected from everyone. So, again, a heartfelt thank you. It's going to make a happy holidays uh, for a lot of folks out there. So, broadcasting remotely. Today, uh, from the home studio, Lewis is in our ESPN Richmond studio in the producer's booth. He's going to keep the show rolling this afternoon, and I hope you'll join us as well. 804-327-0888. We'll get you on the air. It's also our text line, 327-0888. So back to my original point, and I usually like to start our afternoon show with some sort of local acknowledgement. You know, if I'm going to run a a soundbite, a play-by-play bite, Hopefully, it's going to be one of our you know state teams at the very least. Local teams moving forward have some sort of local relevance. But I just couldn't resist on the two NFL games last night because I was I was so stunned by how good both games were and the finishes that they had and the storylines for both of them. I'm like, what the heck? I know we've got people who are fans, at least of the Dolphins, and I'm pretty sure we got some Packer fans. Sorry, Packer fans and some giant fans who are maybe coming out of the woodwork right now because they've won three in a row and they're mathematically still in the postseason. I know a lot of giant fans hoping they'll be losing so they get a higher draft pick, but you can't tell that to Brian Dable and Tommy DeVito and Saquon Barkley and all those guys right now. All of a sudden, they're looking at this thing going, we still got a chance having won three in a row. And we like that feeling, as you heard DeVito say at the end of his soundbite there at the beginning of the program. You know, they like this feeling of having won three in a row. Um, so good for them. That was a great storyline. The whole Tommy DeVito thing, the whole Italian thing, the whole mom still cooking for him and him living at home thing, the agent who's dressed up like he's out of the Godfather. Um, it was fun. It was just a really fun uh, story uh, last night. And then the other game just had the drama that we've really hardly ever seen in the NFL before. And Robert Ole, I, I beg my forgiveness here, and Dolphin Dave, Dave, call in if you want to commiserate and you know maybe misery loves company or you need to get it off your chest, feel free to do so. But I'm going to give you the stat, and you're going to cringe because you know it by now because everybody's been using it today. Teams had lost 767 straight games when trailing by 14 in the final three minutes of the game. 
That sounds ridiculous, but when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Not too many teams are going to lose a 14-point lead in the last three minutes of a game. It's like the baseball thing where, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, trailing by four or more runs, and you're 0-500 or whatever. Well, yeah, that's probably probably likely that you're not going to come back from that. But that's still a pretty large number. 767 straight games trailing by 14 in the final three minutes. The last team to do it was Houston in 2016 against the Colts until Will Levis led the way back last night. So really kind of the remarkable story of those two quarterbacks. Levis thought he was going to be a first-round pick, turned out to be a second-round pick, was almost the GOAT last night when he made that bad pitch uh, to Derrick Henry, and the Dolphins came up with it. Then that's how they got the 14-point lead, but then he led them back on those two touchdown drives at the end to win the game, and you heard from Levis on our open, just as you heard from Tommy DeVito from the Giants as well. So it really shakes things up with the Titans beating the Dolphins last night 28-27, and then the Giants got the field goal at the end of the game after the great pass that DeVito threw to uh, Wandale Robinson to set it up, and then Randy Bullock hit the 37-yarder to win it. And again, there's another stat for you as well. That is the first December loss for Matt LaFleur as Green Bay's head coach. And he's been there, what, five years now since 2019? The first time he has lost a December game was last night when the Giants came back and beat Green Bay 24-22. So really a good night for the National Football League. They needed it. They got it. Of course, the game everybody was talking about, and I definitely want to get into it, was the Buffalo-Kansas City game from Sunday, the controversial offsides call at the end. Want to get into that as well. I also don't want to fall too far behind this afternoon. Kind of get back into the swing of things, right? You know, my schedule's been disjointed with days off and travel and Richmond football and Richmond basketball and i heard matt say this toward the end of border to border i'm really happy about it uh, on every day this week we were yesterday obviously with our cheer and gear event and no basketball for the spiders this week because of the exam break until saturday so we've got shows and we've got time to visit interact every day this week monday through friday sports huddle now from four until six and matt's on every day this week as well with border to border from three until four all right let's get you going on a tuesday afternoon on the sports huddle here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle just a huge fan of sports this is the river city rundown river city rundown brought to you by our friends at the henrico sports and entertainment authority and the new henrico sports and events center where we were yesterday for a calendar of future events or if you're interested in booking event in 2024 first of all you better hurry because there aren't a whole lot of dates left from everything dennis bickmeyer and tom yeager and those folks were telling us again yesterday they are booking events at a rapid pace but there is still availability henrico sea.com henrico sea.com if you'd like to check out some of those future events or if you're interested in booking your own event and as we found out with dennis particularly yesterday we're not just talking about sporting events you can hold a company party there a company meeting, uh, seminar, all of that is available for you over there at the Henrico Sports and Events Center. All right, we are. I'm trying to play catch up on a lot of stories and a lot of events. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, I do want to go back to the Bills and the Chiefs for a little bit because everybody's talking about that. So that's on the table. Do a little college basketball wrap-up as well. Bowl season is about to begin. Hopefully you heard uh, Matt's conversation with Coach Robo, as we like to call him, the interim head coach, JMU. They literally introduced Bob Chesney, their new head coach, today at a press conference in Harrisonburg. 
either Matt or I will have him on uh, later this week or early next week. Uh, I will have a player on tomorrow from uh, JMU. I think it's going to be Phoenix Sproles, who's a great story, by the way, the redshirt senior in his sixth year who came to JMU from North Dakota State where he helped the Bison actually beat James Madison in the 2019 National Championship game. He's had three championship rings, and now he's got an opportunity to play in a bowl game to finish out his collegiate career with James Madison when they play um, Air Force uh, coming up in that Armed Forces Bowl. So uh, Phoenix Sproles will be our guest tomorrow on this program. But to my point about catching up on things, it has been a very active and, for the most part, productive and positive offseason so far for Virginia football. And we're going to catch up with Greg Medea at the bottom of the hour from the Charlottesville Daily Progress and talk about the guys who are coming in to the Virginia football program and the guys who are staying in the Virginia football program, and we'll touch on those that have departed as well. But I think the scale is very much tipped in the favor of guys staying and newcomers coming in to Virginia football. So hopefully the vibe is becoming a little bit more positive with the Cavaliers uh, since that you know devastating rivalry game loss, uh, dominating loss to Virginia Tech that certainly put a bad taste in the mouths of all the Cavaliers, and that's how their offseason got started. But they seem to have put that behind them and seem to be doing very well in the offseason with recruiting, transfer portal, all of the things that are now important to advance that program. So Greg Medea is going to join us here in about 13 minutes or so at 4.30 to talk about all that. We'll touch on Tony Bennett's basketball team as well, which is back nationally ranked again in the top 25, uh, the Virginia Cavalier Hoopsters as well. So looking forward to catching up with Greg, one of my favorite guys. Haven't had him on in a while, so looking forward to talking some UVA with him. Remember, he used to cover James Madison uh, when he worked in Harrisonburg, and I know he still had some some tweets. He was eyeballing the whole coaching search there with JMU, so if we got enough time, I may uh, dive into that topic with him a little bit as well. So looking forward to having Greg on at 4.30. Beyond that, we are wide open this afternoon. We'd love to catch up on the sports topics that are of the most interest to you. 804-327-0888 to get on the air. 327-0888 also our text line. First break of the afternoon. Thanks for being with us on a Tuesday on 106.1 ESPN. Look, I know that promo is automatically inserted into our commercial break, but that's really rubbing salt into the wound to this Eagle fan. I got to tell you, oh, we're the home of the Dallas Cowboys after they just took the Eagles up one wall and down to the other. Uh, I had somebody asked me if uh, I was panicking about the Eagles yet today, and I'm actually not. Um, I really wasn't going to get into this here, but I will. I got something else. I want to go back to yesterday for a little bit as well on the cheer gear thing, but while, while I'm thinking about it, let me just tell you, this was kind of a funny story. As it turned out, I'll give you a little personal um, story that I had over the weekend, and it involves the Cowboys and Eagles game. So I am actually traveling home Sunday from the Spider game Saturday, which was at Florida. I stayed over. I had a family event, a family wedding to attend. Ironically, it turned out to be down in the same area. So I was able to, you know, kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. Figuratively, not literally, folks, all you animal lovers out there. Um, But anyway, I'm flying home on Sunday 
and I've got a long layover in the Charlotte airport. I'm not on the charter now. You know, I've gotten used to these charter flights. The Spiders travel great for football and basketball, and we're very fortunate to be a part of the travel party. But I'm not on the charter for this one. So there's that connection in Charlotte, which I think is trying to rival Atlanta as, like, the busiest airport in the world, only they don't have the same amount of space and concourses that Atlanta has. So it's jam-packed in the Charlotte airport virtually any time of day, any day of the week. Anyway, I had like a three-hour layover on Sunday evening, but I'm like, that's okay because I can watch the Eagles. I was going to watch the Eagles-Cowboys game. What difference did it make where I watched it? So I bellied up to the bar at one of those places in the Charlotte airport, and the end of the Buffalo-Kansas City game is on. And I got a seat like right in front of this great TV behind the bar. It's perfect. I watched the end of the Kansas City-Buffalo game, and I, I said to the bartender, I said, okay, that was great. Now you're going to put the Eagles-Cowboys game on. And he was like, well, what network is that on? I'm like, well, it's on NBC. It's great. He goes, oh, no, it's not. DirecTV is in a – and if any of you out there are DirecTV folks, you're probably nodding your head right now because I think it affects the whole country. He said DirecTV is in a dispute with NBC, and they're not airing NBC programming. Like, are you kidding me? Could this be any worse? I've got a three-hour layover in Charlotte. My flight's already going to be delayed. The weather was was terrible. And now I can't even watch the Eagles-Cowboys game. Now, there I almost did panic. I really did. Um, I'm like, i got to be able to watch this game. And then I thought to myself, do I really want to watch this game? Because I kind of had a premonition what might happen. Uh, but I, I pulled out my iPad and I actually, and I'm a Comcast su- subscriber, Xfinity, and I didn't think if you were out of your own market, out of your own wireless network, that you could get programming in your um, geographic area, especially for an NFL game. I figured they had some license and some rules, but I clicked on Channel 12 here in Richmond, even though I was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they have what's called, and maybe you folks are all aware of this, and I just never knew it, uh, WWBT to go. And it allowed me to watch on my iPad, sitting there in the Charlotte airport, the Eagle Cowboy game. So you know how much I rip on Channel 12 and Channel 8 because they disbanded and did away with their sports departments? Well, I'll give Channel 12 a little bit of a fair game shout-out here and thank them for having you know this format. On, on iPad, I assume on your phone as well, of WWBT to go. And the game popped right up, and I was able to sit there in the waiting area. And like I said, it didn't really matter where I was. I was going to watch the game anyway until it got so bad that I, I – turned it off but for a couple of minutes there i was almost panicking in the charlotte airport sitting at the bar that i wasn't going to be able to watch the game and i wasn't the only customer that was asking about that there were a lot of unhappy people that were waiting for flights on sunday night that thought they were going to watch the cowboy eagle game uh sitting in a restaurant or the bar and i went i I left the one and i went to two others and asked the same thing and got the same exact answer nope the charlotte airport is direct tv and we don't have nbc right now so if you're a direct tv subscriber i would love to know when you get nbc back or if you can't watch it at all right now and remember they've got a lot of the playoff games 
coming up when we get uh, into January and February. I would imagine by then they will settle this dispute. But And we've seen them before, right? Whether you're an Xfinity Comcast subscriber or Dish or DirecTV, these kind of carriage disputes happen from time to time. And it's a real inconvenience to the customer and to the viewer. And eventually they dot the I's and cross the T's. But it hadn't happened by Sunday night. I can tell you that for DirecTV and NBC. And fortunately, thank you, Channel 12. I was still able to watch the game until I couldn't watch it any longer because the Cowboys were dominating the Eagles. All right, that's my personal story for this afternoon. When we come back in just a moment, we'll get back to the actual sports talk. Virginia football, primarily Greg Medea from the Charlottesville Daily Progress will join us. We will talk about the movement with the Virginia football team. Most of it personnel-wise, anyway, it seems to be positive this offseason. We'll talk to Greg about all those moves and a little bit of UVA basketball back in the top 25 again as Tony Bennett's team gets set to get into ACC play here in the next uh, uh, next couple of weeks after they played the one game earlier uh, this year. Greg Medea, Charlottesville Daily Progress, joins us next on the Sports Huddle. All right, let's get into some uh, off-season college football talk and some in-season college basketball talk and we're going to zero in on what's happening in charlottesville these days with the virginia cavaliers haven't had a chance to catch up with our good friend greg medea from the charlottesville daily progress in quite some time you can follow him on twitter as well at greg medea and you can hear him right now on the sports huddle on 1061 espn good afternoon greg how are you Likewise, Greg, doing fine. Thank you. And I think, and one of the reasons that this kind of happened today and precipitated my request to have you on is I think things are going pretty well for Virginia football right now. That's kind of the feel that I get from afar. And before we get into specific guys who are coming back or who are coming through the portal to join the program, how about framing that, Greg? Do you feel as though, and look, the season ended horribly with the the dominating loss to Virginia Tech, but it seems like the offseason has brought a positive vibe to Virginia football. How accurate or inaccurate is that? No, I, I think you're right, Bob. I, I think I think going into the off season, they felt like they they could they could add and, and complement the roster a little bit. And and the one thing you heard throughout the year from 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 players within the program is is that they were believing in in what Tony Elliott and his staff want to accomplish. So uh, they haven't lost. Uh, key contributors, really. Uh, so they're feeling pretty good about where they're at this offseason at this point. Well, let's uh, point out a few of the reasons why. How much of a no-brainer in both directions was the addition of Chris Tyree to you know fill the, fill the role of Malik Washington, who obviously had a tremendous season. Tyree's leaving Notre Dame and can come back home again and finish out with Virginia. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. It's it seemed like uh it was it was kind of a perfect match. Virginia uh made made it no secret that they wanted him and wanted him badly. Players in the program uh reached out to him on social media right after he entered the transfer portal, trying to convince him to come back to the Commonwealth and finish his career in his home state. And the blueprints there, right? They they've done it before uh with a player uh similar stature, similar build. And it's always funny because Des Kitchings, the offensive coordinator throughout the year, 
the one part of Malik Washington's game that he liked so much was that he was built like a running back, could take the jet sweep and, and get up the field and, and break some tackles. And, of course, Chris Tyree's background is his, his career at Notre Dame uh, began as a running back, and he's an all-purpose type threat uh, who moved into a receiver role this past fall. So there's some thought that it, it's a plug-and-play situation with, with Chris Tyree there, uh, who, who's, of course, played running back, played receiver, returned punts and kicks for the Irish. Uh, so they, they, they're feeling pretty good about that. And that was a big win. And I, I talked to some high school coaches in the state, too, and said, yeah, and they, they said to me, you know, what Virginia's doing really well is they're getting a lot of these transfers uh, who, who left the state originally but are coming back to finish their careers at home, right? You think about the previous cycle, Tony Musket, the quarterback, uh, he's from Northern Virginia, went up to Monmouth and bounced back and, and is finishing his career at UVA. Uh, of course, Jimmy Chris from Penn State on the O-line, Malcolm Green from Highland Springs, who went to Clemson at first. Uh, so there's some thought that, that Virginia's doing a nice job of getting those kids uh, to come back home, uh, even if it wasn't off the bat right away uh, first time around. But a uh, huge win for UVA in recruiting by getting Chris Tyree, uh, who had some other options. I'd heard you know, maybe LSU was in the mix, Florida was in the mix, uh, but but Tyree opted to come home, uh, and I, I'd heard that he wanted to be an impact guy, and, and Virginia gives him that opportunity. Uh, Craig, that one, at least on the surface, kind of makes some sense, going Notre Dame, Virginia, and I'm not putting them on the same level at the moment individually, but they're, they're both, you know, power conference or pseudo-conference schools, Notre Dame pseudo-ACC, Virginia ACC. So I kind of get that. The two more recent ones are, again, from, um, you know, with all due respect, lower-level programs. Yep. Uh, you get Corey Thomas, right, the linebacker from, from Akron, and the tight end, uh, Tyler Neville from Harvard, out of the Ivy League. What's making these guys – and you mentioned Tony Musket from Monmouth. What's making these guys attractive to an ACC program that maybe somewhere in their high school recruitment – they got missed. They got passed over and went to lower-level programs, and now coaches believe they can really shine and really excel at a much higher-level program. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, even to go back to Muskets' recruitment, like Virginia wasn't the only school in on him. Like Missouri had offered him too. Uh, you, you saw the great season they had this past fall. Uh, but I talked to Tyler Neville earlier today, uh, the tight end from Harvard. Uh, and he, he's from Williamsburg, so there was some attractiveness on his end of wanting to come back uh, to his home state. He's like, I, you know, I just spent you know the first few years of my career at Harvard playing ten hours away from home. Now my parents can can come see me play. But he had offers from all across the country in major college football. Uh, he visited South Carolina this past weekend and said, you know, it really came down to Virginia and South Carolina, and he was looking for an opportunity. Uh, to be the number one tight end, have an opportunity to be the primary guy on the field, almost you know, almost every snap. Didn't want to be a rotational guy. Wanted to play uh, the bulk of the snaps, and, and Virginia will give him uh, that opportunity. But it's kind of an interesting story uh, with with Neville, an incredible testament to, to perseverance and and everything else that comes along with this. But. Uh, you know, he, he was he was diagnosed with cancer in high school uh, and said, you know, his first season playing football, he was probably, you know, 170, 180 pounds. Uh, so he didn't get the, the big-time looks uh, from, from the FBS Power 5 programs, uh, you know, at that point. He said it wasn't until late in his senior year 
but some of those bigger programs that had come around. But he was already committed to Harvard, wasn't going to back off of that and figure, you know, go to Harvard. Uh, you know, they were putting some, some guys in the NFL at that time, tight end specifically, uh, as well as, uh, you know, it was a great place to get an education. Uh, I guess that speaks for itself. Uh, but he thought, you know, that was the best route for him at that time. So, you know, you go to Harvard, you play well, right? Eight touchdown catches over the last two seasons there, and you're going to be uh, someone sought after uh, by the big programs, right? Like I said South Carolina already was involved. I know TCU, UCLA offered, uh, Colorado offered. Uh, so there were, there were plenty of schools in the mix for Neville, uh, but he opts to come back to his home state, uh, similarly to Tyree. Uh, to finish his career. Mm-hmm. Um, people who listen to this show and have conversations with me know I'm not a huge transfer portal guy. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it has you know, really swung the pendulum in too much into the wild, wild west, and I'm not a fan <laughs> of guys that are on their third and fourth schools already or guys that go for one year and say, ah, this isn't fr- I'm going to move on after one year. Coach isn't playing me. I'm not getting enough NI, whatever, and they don't stick it out and try and make it work. I'm not a fan of that. But in these situations, Greg, I I do feel like maybe there is some value in the transfer portal because of what we just talked about. Guys that have been with their school, maybe they've even gotten their degree, as you mentioned, in some yeah. cases, and still have that year of eligibility to go give this a shot. Maybe in that regard, the transfer portal is working the way you know some of us old-fashioned guys would want it to work. Yeah, and I think too, right? You know, Malik Washington was a grad transfer from mm-hmm. Northwestern mm-hmm. Uh, when when he when he got to UVA. Uh, Neville, obviously, graduate of Harvard, uh, and and Tyree, a graduate of Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it, it it works, and, and you, you. I think that that that's I think more easy to understand for 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 fans is like, all right, the guy got his degree, let him go do what he wants to do, right? Uh, you know that's that's kind of the intent when you're when you get arrive as a high schooler is is get that degree and then and then do what you want whatever it is in life. Uh, so that should that should free up. But but with the way it works now is I think I think some coaches even uh, you know understand when they recruit that you know they they may lose that guy in a year, two years, three years down the road and have to replace and, and replenish their roster. And I think you know what's tough is and Bob, you see this from from being at the FCS level is a lot of those kids, they, they may go for a year or two now, and uh, if they're any good, they're going to take that chance in the portal. And that's, that's what's tough is, is you see the growth and development of players in one program, and another program ends up reaping the benefits. I think that's what's tough maybe for some people to understand, but you can't blame, blame the players. It's, it's, the way, it's the way it's set up right now, and, and players should take advantage of it if they, if they can. That's a great point. Absolutely not blaming the players. They're using the system the way the system's guidelines and rules are written right now, for, for better or worse. Absolutely agree with you on that. Greg Medea, Charlottesville Daily Progress, chatting with us on the Sports Huddle this afternoon. How about some of the guys that, um, opposite of what we just talked about, elected yeah. to stay at Virginia? I know a couple, two or three of them on the defensive line specifically should really bolster that group. Man, that, that defensive line was supposed to be the strength of the team this past season. It didn't really work out that way. Cam Butler got injured uh, four weeks into the season, ended up getting a medical waiver to come back. This season will be his, this fall will be his seventh season in college football. Uh, he spent the first four years at Miami of Ohio, graduated there, and came to UVA as a grad transfer with the intent of playing one season. Uh, of course, that 2022 season was cut short. And he was one of the two players UVA had to take advantage of that uh, when the NCAA gave 
any player with expiring eligibility after the 2022 season due to the due to uh, the shooting in Charlottesville. Uh, an extra year of eligibility if they wanted to come back. So he was one of two along with Aaron Famui. Famui's out of eligibility, so he's gone. But the rest of that D-line remains in, in Cam Butler, Chico Bennett Jr., um, and Jameer Carter. So they'll be veteran up front. That's a seventh-year player, a sixth-year player, and a fifth-year player on their D-line. So uh, they got they, they got older uh, on that D-line just by just by guys sticking around. Uh, Jonas Sanker, the, the standout safety, Charlottesville native, he'll be back. Uh, and James Jackson, too. Uh, to go along with some of those freshmen that they like on defense uh, who played and, and were really good this past ball, Cam Robinson specifically. Uh, you know, he, he's kind of the guy they're going to build that defense around. Hey, one more on Virginia football, and then I want to stray off of, off of that beaten path for just a moment. Uh, first yeah. signing day, the early signing day is coming up next week. Uh, hearing mm-hmm. anything on that from the Virginia perspective, anything that you know might be a surprise when we get to signing day next week? Yeah, you know, the, the high school class is, is coming together. A lot of that group's been committed uh, since June. I, you know, you, it, now it's, it's the, you know, the, the teams keep some scholarships open uh, for, for transfers, uh, maybe one or two more. But I think kind of what you see is, is what you're going to get with Virginia's high school class. Uh, and there's, there's, some, there's some talent there. Uh, what's interesting is after, uh, after, you know, last year, not a lot of fanfare with the group. Uh, Virginia put together, aside from Cam Robinson, but a lot of those freshmen played. Uh, so I think a lot of that freshman class, you know, turned out to be okay, right? Calandria was under-recruited, uh, and, and, and same thing goes for a guy like Sudarian Harrison, a wide receiver who played, Drake Walker, a cornerback who played. They got a lot of snaps from their freshmen. I think the sixth most snaps uh, from true freshmen of any team in the country. Uh, so, so there's some, you know, even if they're, the stars aren't there, uh, Virginia staff has at least shown, you know, they, they can find some talent that other people uh, may not like as much and, and make it work for them. So uh, I think that's something to keep your eye on with this Virginia this Virginia signing classes, uh, who are maybe some underrated guys that, that, that factor into the mix come fall. They'll have a couple early enrollees, too, uh, in the group. Miles Brown, a linebacker from South Carolina. Ethan Minner uh, from, from Thomas Dale High School uh, over there. Chris Tyree, they that same high school as Chris Tyree. Uh, and then Keyshawn Adams from from Avon Old Farms up in Connecticut. So it should be interesting. All right, a couple more for you quickly, Greg, in the last couple minutes that we have here. Again, off of the beat path a little bit. Uh, Any surprise (laughs) to you that Bronco Mendenhall is back in coaching (laughs) and that he won't be successful at New Mexico? No, I think it's a good spot for Bronco Mendenhall, right? Lots of ties to that region, having coached at BYU, having coached uh, at New Mexico previously. Uh, I'm curious to see how that staff looks that he puts together. I saw, I think, Charles Max headed there uh, mm-hmm. to New Mexico, who's on VMI staff, uh, former Virginia uh, staffer player. So I, I, it'll it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, I, I think, you know, some of the comments he made during his, his press conference was that he missed it. Uh, you know, it was good to, to step away, but, but as soon as he stepped away, he realized he missed coaching. Uh, so I, I think there'll be a lot of people in Charlottesville keep an eye on uh, what happens out out. Out, out in the southwest in, in New Mexico with, with Bronco Mendenhall. All right. And lastly, Greg, you were keeping your eye on where you used to be now that you're the beat reporter yeah. for the Virginia Cavaliers previously, and we talked many times with you about James Madison, athletics, <laughs> uh, Kurt Signetti's departure, and Bob Chesney's hire. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think uh, I had heard some rumblings that, that Indiana was interested in, in kind of coming hot and heavy after Signetti. Uh, so it didn't surprise me knowing 
what a Big Ten school can pay a coach and, and what a what, what James Madison was paying Signetti at the time. Uh, so I know I know there was some talk that uh, they would make him the highest paid coach in the Sun Belt, but uh, just not not enough to compete with that that Big Ten uh, money that Signetti's going to make out out in Bloomington. Uh, and then and then with Bob Chesney, you know, I had heard I done some reporting that that he was firmly in the mix, squarely in the mix. I think is how one source put it to me. Uh, so I was not surprised to see him get the job. Uh, he, he's kind of one of those up-and-coming uh, young coaches in the profession, climbed his way, D3, D2, FCS at Holy Cross, was good there, outstanding at Holy Cross, uh, and then now up to the FBS level with James Madison. So it didn't surprise me uh, that, that he, he got the job. Uh, one, one person kind of compared it to, to when JMU hired Mike Houston uh, a few years mm, you know, before, yeah. before Signetti's tenure. Uh, that you know, exciting young coach, bright future. Uh, so not not surprised at all. Absolutely. Hey, real quick, because we do got to run. Love catching up yep. with Greg Medea, and we'll do this when we turn the calendar to to January. But Virginia basketball back in the top twenty-five. Tony Bennett kind of have these guys about where he wants them when the bulk of ACC play is getting ready to get started. Yeah, I, I think so. One, one more big non-conference test. I think at, at Memphis. Uh, but overall, it's a, it's a smaller-looking lineup he, he's gone with. Andrew Rohde, Isaac McNeely, Reese Beekman, of course, and then Ryan Dunn and Jacob Groves is what you see primarily in a starting lineup. Uh, really, what, what stood out to me the last couple of weeks is just how good Isaac McNeely's been from, from, from long range. My goodness, uh, shooting better than 58% from three-point land. If they get that, you know, that that's... That's very, very tough in addition to what they're getting defensively uh, from Reese Beekman and Ryan Dunn. Greg, great catch-up on Virginia football and a little bit on Virginia basketball. We will certainly do it again after the holidays. So enjoy the holiday time with your family, and we will talk with you when we get to the new year. Sounds good, Bob. Appreciate it. You enjoy your holiday, too. Uh, Greg. Thanks, Greg Medea from the Charlottesville Daily Progress at Greg Medea on Twitter. If you'd like to follow him there and catch catch uh, uh, the Daily Progress online and his his updates on Virginia sports, uh, both football and basketball. All right, uh, about ten minutes to five. Let's get the break in here. We'll come back. We'll do a quick segment. Get you to the top of the hour to five o'clock and get into our second hour of the sports huddle. Coming up after the break on one zero six one ESPN. So, and I, I'm with him on the Bronco Mendenhall thing. I, I thought for sure he'd get back in it and doing it back out west, back where he belongs. I think he was a little bit of a, a fish out of water, cattle off of the ranch maybe is a better way to put it uh, for a western guy out there. I, I think he will do extremely well at New Mexico. I just don't think he was the right fit. and He wasn't awful at Virginia, but never got them to the heights that a lot of people thought that he would or should get them to. I, I think he'll be a much better fit at New Mexico. Uh, I had a feeling this might be the case. I had a text from John. Uh, who said NBC was on here and he has DirecTV. So uh, that must have added even more bad luck to my my situation. It must have been with the media company that owns the NBC station in Charlotte that had the dispute down there. So I happen to be in the one place where DirecTV didn't have NBC on Sunday night and didn't have the Cowboys-Eagles game, which was probably a premonition, and I shouldn't have found it anywhere and watched that game. Um, But that's just a little of the background on the media negotiations that that are going on. But they definitely did not have that game. John, I'm glad you got to watch it. Here in um, here in the Richmond area, and I'm glad you tuned in to the sports huddle this afternoon. One hour down, one hour to go. Uh, got a couple things I want to get into in the five o'clock hour, and one big time gripe 
that I really want to throw uh, your way in the in the second hour that really rubbed me the wrong way in this holiday season. We'll get into all of that in the five o'clock hour of the sports huddle coming up after the ESPN Sports Center update.